0: Good to be in the house of the Lord with you tonight at Mount Olive Church again. It's a privilege and honor to be with your pastor, his wife, Brother and Sister Dixon, your associate pastor, uh, Brother and Sister uh, Pilot. That's a senior moment. You'll have one. Just hang in there. used to embarrass me, but doesn't do that no more. I just thank God it does come back with a little bit of nudging. Amen? But they are such a blessing to us and encouragement. You're blessed to have a young man like that with the zeal of the Lord to worship God. You better pray for Him. Stand by him. him and His wife and the humble pastor and his wife. Brother Willis and his wife. Soldiers of the Lord. Been great inspirations to us all of our life. And preached more than we'll ever preach and Forgot more than probably what we'll ever learn. But we do count on to stand in Your presence tonight and try to preach the Gospel by the grace of God. That's the only way that will ever be done in the way God will be pleased is by the leadership of His Holy Spirit. Boy, I don't know about you, but I sure did enjoy that breeze of glory that come through while the saying was going on Amen. I believe for a little bit we could have went to meeting. Amen. And I pray that you did all God wanted you to do. Amen. By, by His grace and mercy. If you'll pray for us for just a little while tonight, we'll not preach long. I told them at the church I learned a few years back that I can get the point across a lot quicker and it's easier on me and probably easier on you. And uh, keep your attention span a lot easier and better. But tonight, by the grace of God, I'd like to preach a thought that the Lord laid upon our heart. And I believe if you'll pray for us and the Lord will give uh, give us utterance, I believe it will be a help to you as it was to me. If you'll take with you and turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Let me say again, it's a blessing to be here tonight. We count honor to be at Mount Olive. Mount Olive is a good church. You're blessed with a good church. Did y'all hear what I said? I said y'all are blessed with a good church. And a good church don't come easy. Somebody paid a price. Not everybody, but somebody. And I thank God for them Somebody's tonight that is willing, when the sun is shining or if it's stormy, it's still my church. God put me there and I'm going to do my best. Amen? No matter what comes or goes. It's kind of like the man talking about the house and the bees. He said to you, well, you know, if I just had your wife or if I had this or if I had that, I could do this or that. But he said, Joseph just said, I'm going to be what God wants me to be, no matter what, amen? Where the sun's shining, or where I'm in the dungeon, I'm still going to be God's child. I'm glad of church folks like that, willing to fight the good fight of faith. And so I thank God tonight for this Scripture. If you will, stand with us in reverence to the reading of God's Word. Colossians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. The Bible said, brethren... If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let us pray tonight. Father, we thank You for the Word of God. We thank You, Lord, for the privilege that You have blessed us to come back to Your house again tonight. Lord, I pray that Your Spirit will give us utterance in our stammering tongue and in our mind, Lord, tonight to do it the way You'd be pleased. Lord, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, tonight that souls that's lost could be saved. Those that's backslid could be renewed. Those that's burdened could be relieved. And those that's out of strength could be lifted up. Oh, God, tonight, you know our needs, And Father, we pray, have mercy and be in our midst. In Jesus' name we all say, Amen and Amen. Alright, I'm going to slow down just a little bit. I'd like to preach, if the Holy Spirit will give us utterance, on the thought, don't build your life on the fault line. How many folks know what a fault line is? It's a place where an earthquake is most likely to strike. Where the earth shakes, where things fall apart, where there's disaster untold. Many of us has looked on the news and seen the disasters of an earthquake. How people are crying and mourning and weeping. How it brings stress and heartache to thousands of lives. But listen tonight. There is such thing as a spiritual earthquake. Amen? Don't build your life on a fault line according to God's Word. Let's look at the top five. First of all, people say, well, it was my circumstances that it Happened to me. It wasn't my fault. It was my circumstances. Well, it was it was my parents. It was my parents' fault. It wasn't mine. It was theirs. Somebody said, "No, it was my wife's fault." No, it was my husband. It's his fault that I don't live like I ought to live. Or I don't go to church like I ought to go. Or I don't get involved like I ought to be. Or I'm not enjoying life like I should. (laughs) We're down to number three. But then somebody said, no, it is my church's fault. Has anybody ever heard anybody say that? Is my church's fault. That's why I don't go there no more. It's their fault. They didn't come see me like they should have. They didn't call me like I felt like they to. They didn't pamper me like a little bitty baby. Nobody didn't burp me like they oughta burp me. Hey, brother, you're 200 pounds. You oughta been out of the nursery a long time ago. Hey, my. And churches are facing people that are building their life on a fault line and the man of God preaches his heart out Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Good Christians are praying and singing and teaching and moving when God said move. And folks are walking out the door left and right because of foolishness that won't hold water. Amen! And somebody tonight in this congregation, the devil's working on you, trying to get you to build your life on the fault line. And I'm trying to tell you, there's an earthquake coming, a spiritual earthquake. And you better get your footing on the rock of ages. That's the only thing going to stand this shaking and this trembling we're in today when perverted living is knocking on the door of every state in this great nation, asking for approval and acceptance. God, have mercy on America tonight! If you're not praying about it, you better be. Because your little child and your grandchildren will face the very demons of hell with the authority of the law behind them in a very few short months. Unless God intervenes. Don't build your life on a fault line. You say, Brother Russ, get in the Word of God. I will. Burdens we can share. Baros. B-A-R-O-S means fault. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear ye one another's barrows means fault, also means infirmity, also means weakness or an ignorance of the situation. How many times has marriages destroyed their Had a complete come apart because of an ignorance over a situation that was so silly and senseless that a mother and a father had to year together split in town way because of a simple earthquake spiritually. A borrows. A fault. But you're gonna go ahead and build your life on a fault line? It's not God's fault you're lost. It's not God's fault you're sitting on the back pew and you're not involved in your church and you don't really have a zeal to serve God. It ain't God's fault. Amen? It's your fault. It's in your heart. And that's where the problem is. In America, we better get a hold of the horns of the altar and cry out to God again because we're in trouble tonight. God bless you, Lord. And so the Bible says the tension, the weakness, and I said the back pew, you could be sitting on the second pew. It don't matter what pew you're on. It's the passion in your heart that God looks at, even though I do believe the hungrier you get, the closer you'll draw. (laughs) I do. I believe that. I just have a tendency. An ignorance. A pressure. A pressure. Have you ever seen a generation living under any more pressure than this generation lives under? I mean pressure! Pressure! Pressure to look right. Pressure to talk right. Pressure to go where you ought to go right. Pressure to be involved in the right thing. If your little children aren't involved in the right thing, they're looked at as an outcast. Pressure! mom and Daddy, you better talk to your children. You better pray with them and tell them society is not the all in all. Amen! It's the Spirit of God. Don't build your life on no fault line. You'll find yourself without any way to stand. Things will come in on you at the very moment that you're not expecting it. And so, the word baros means pressure also. tension or grief. We come in this world crying... And we need comfort in the world of woe. Ruth 2 and 13. Ruth 2 and 13. Thou hast comforted me. Oh, there's a person that could have said somebody else is in fault, but they didn't. Thank God for people like that. Matthew 20 and 12. I want you to listen what the word of God said. Matthew 20 and 12, the burden of the labors. This gives you just a little example of what we're trying to get across tonight. This is Red Letter Edition. Jesus is speaking. And He's saying, These last have wrought but one hour. Thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. In other words, there's those that look around and said, Well, last week... uh, you know, I took the trash out at church, or you know, I got there and turn the lights on. You know, I mean, I've done my part last week, and I'm done for the rest of the month. It's somebody else's turn. You know what? Jesus is saying those that were there early in the morning ought to be mature enough in the Lord. To be willing to say, I'm just glad somebody come in at the 11th, woo! <laughs> I'm just glad somebody come in at the 11th hour and add it to the family of God. Amen. That's the attitude of a born again believer. It's not how you pat me on the back or brag on my preaching. It's his love. It's God's plead with. That's all that matters. Amen. And you better get in your church and you better dig in. And you better get in the Word of God. Because there's a quake coming like you've never seen before. Don't build your life on no fault line. The Bible said not only that. He said then there's the burdens of personal sins. You can only find peace when you go to Jesus. My personal sin tonight is you and the Lord. I don't know your heart. You don't know mine. But God knows every one of us. And I pray tonight that you'll not build your life on a fault line. Oh, my, tonight it's somebody else's fault, Brother Russ. that I'm not saved. It's not, friend. It's yours. You have the privilege tonight To get right with Jesus. He loves you. He cares for you. He gave the best heaven had. That you and I don't have to go to hell. Oh my. That alone is worth serving God till I die. Amen. Without all the other blessings that He's blessed us with. Amen. If anybody had a right to build their life on the fault line the Apostle Paul did. Everywhere he went, there's either a riot or a revival, one of the two. He spent more nights in jail than any other preacher ever recorded in God's Word. He is whipped at the stocks, amen, by the heathens of his day. He was thrown out of the city as dead down the hill. He died. And a little king and Rome, when they cut his head off and yet it off, Paul said, It's not I, but Christ that lives within me. Amen. That's the kind of life that God demands out of each one of us. And so tonight there's a few steps that I'd like to mention. One is verses 1 and 2. Or 1 through 4. I want you to listen to what he said. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. There is the privilege of not building on the fault line, but building on restoration. Restoring... Not only my walk with the Lord, but having the privilege to see others that are weak and fall by the wayside. Rather than getting off in the corner with my so-called friends, and running that person down even further than where they are, God expects us that are saved by grace to go an extra mile and win that person back and draw them by the grace of God to a place of repentance and restoration. You know why our churches are in the shape they're in? We no longer practice restoration. We don't. Where I try to pastor, they don't. I believe if I could say honestly, Brother Pastor, probably half of your members doesn't really even know what I'm talking about tonight. When it means when you see one of your church people fall by the wayside because they built their life on the fault line and an earthquake of some sort or another took them under and removed them out of circulation with the family of God. Your duty, not that man's duty, your duty is to get in your car, go to their house, pray with them in the yard or in their living room till things are straight. Put your hands together and give God glory. It works. It works. The spirit of restoration still works. But so many have decided to live in their own little world, their own little shell, their own minority friends, Their own social and society that they're comfortable with. We can't get out of our comfort zone anymore. How many folks has it been to somebody's house and you went one time and they said, Leave me alone. Don't come back no more if you're coming to tell me about Jesus. How many of you done that and you quit? Seven times. Are you looking? Statistics says seven times you'll have to visit that individual before you can win their confidence that you are really sincere about their soul. Seven times. When you do that, I will never forget this man that sold drugs. He was wicked, handsome-looking guy. I went to his house for the first time. I walked up on his doorstep, and I heard the back door slam. His wife hollered and said, John, come on back, it's the preacher! I don't know if he thought I was the law, I had on a white shirt, and a dark tie, and a pair of dark breeches. I was driving a black charger. I don't know. He might have thought I was a, you know, drug enforcement. <laughs> I was to some degree. <laughs> and uh, so the second time I went, I heard the back door slam again. And Teresa said, John, he don't run. It's the preacher. He knew it was me. I'd already identified myself when I got out of the car. I went back the third time. I heard the back door slam again. Teresa said, Brother Ross," she said, he's run off down through the pastor again. She said, he, he just don't want to see you. I said, I understand. I said, no problem. I said, I understand. I'm not the best looking fellow in the world. And probably ain't got the best personality. But I said, if you don't care, I'm going to keep trying. She said, just come on back all you want. Well, in a couple of weeks, I went back again. John didn't run out the back door. He'd start getting a little sick. God was going to slow him down, not because of me. It's because preparation works. God ain't going to allow you to do your best and not bless you in it. Are y'all hearing me tonight? God ain't going to let you do your best. And walk home empty-handed. He'll bless you in spite of all the demons in hell. God will bless you. But well, that evening John walked out on the porch and he said, I don't want you to come back more, preacher. He said, I don't want to hear no more about you, Jesus. I don't want to hear no more about salvation. He said, I don't have time for that. He said, You know who I am and what I am and what I do. And he said, I like it. Leave me alone. I said, I can't do that, John. I said, I wish I could tell you I could. But I can't, John. I said, see, I'm in the soul business. That's what kind of business I represent the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And I said, John, it ain't that easy for me to just mark you off the list. I've already made contact with you. He said, don't come back no more. I said, I love you, John. I walked off the porch. I knew I'd wore my welcome out. I've not learned how to duck that quick yet, so, and I can't run. And so I went back, got my car. That was number six. I went back the seventh time. John walked down the porch. He said, I told you not to come back no more. I said, I know you did, John, but I said, I love you, John. I was crying. I couldn't help it, brother Dixon. John kept walking me and he walked me off down off the steps and I was holding on the rail as I was walking off back. And I said, John, I love you, buddy. And I said, John, I'll never quit loving you. And I said, you may run me off, but I'll be back, John, by the grace of God. He said, why don't you leave me alone? I said, I can't. I said, you're going to hell. And I'm the only lifeline you got. Hold on, John. John run me back to my car. I got in my car day and I left. But it wasn't long. Me and the little red-headed guy came down to your church years ago. They called us from the Birmingham Hospital up on the east side. John said, Preacher, can you come see me? I said, you better believe it, John. I'll be there as quick as I can. I called David Kirby. David come over to the house, we got in the car and left. Went down to East Side Hospital down there and I'm all, I'm gonna close quickly. Don't get don't get restless on me. I'm not gonna say, Bear with me, pray for me. And uh, we walked in that hospital. I'm talking about the spirit of restoration. What will cause your church in Manchester, the church where I try to pastor and where you pastor, for the walls to bulge out. For people that say, where am I going to sit today? There's no place for me to sit out. Everybody I've witnessed to and worked with about the Lord sooner or later has come to the God's house, got right, and got established. We walked in John's room and I looked at David. David looked at me, and I would say, David, you ask him. I've asked him seven times. You asked him, David. David said, you're the pastor. You asked him. I said, we're both scared lifeless, aren't we? He said, yeah. I said, well, it's better to be afraid than be too bold. Just be humble. We walked in his room, and John was laying there, much of a man still. And I said, John, would you like to get saved? And he looked at me with them eyes of his with tears running down his cheek. He said, yeah, it would be a good time. (laughs) David Kirby nearly climbed the wall of that place. That little red-headed preacher come unglued. We bowed on our knees, got to praying. Nurses come running in, running out. They didn't know what was going on. Old John got right with Jesus. He didn't live but about six months after that. But one Sunday morning when I needed him the most, more than I'd ever needed a friend, John come walking through the door on a cane, hobbling him and his wife Jackie, and they they laid, sat down about the third bench. And I walked back where he's at. Put my arm around him. I said, John, how's it feel? He said, feels good, preacher. He said, my sins are forgiven. I'm ready to go home to Jesus. And he said, preacher, I ain't got long... He said, I know my life's fading fast. Wasn't long the Lord called John home. But I just want to tell you tonight, God will honor your ministry of restoration. But it will take more than one trip to do the job. Amen? Now, you may have the privilege of seeing number one. I hope you do. But I'm saying tonight, don't give up. Amen? Number two, he said in restoration with meekness, not madness, Amen, as He said in the Word of God. Amen, with moments of consideration, not criticism, Colossians 4 and 6, with the model of Christ, not carnality, as He said in Romans 6 and 16. Number two, not just restoration, but Paul said if you're going to do better than these Judaizers that are trying to change, the Galatians' conversion or convictions about faith in God. See, they wanted them to go back to a form of godliness. What's trying to ease into Mount Olive Church? More Holy Ghost anointed children of God? No. A form of godliness! Godliness! Where people come in, sit down on the beach, pick up their songbook, sing a verse of a song with their song director, sleep halfway through the pastor's anointed message, and walk out the door and shake the hand of the man of God and say, "It's good to be in the house of the Lord." Liar, liar, your pants is on fire. Amen. That's right. See, I'm the evangelist. I'm going to get to leave after tomorrow night. Ain't much you can do about it to me. I can preach whatever God lays on my heart. But i got confidence in Him. he would do the same thing. But I'm saying to you tonight, there's something else besides restoration. And the Bible tells us it's responsibility. Look at the verses five, six, seven, and 8. Responsibility. For every man shall bear his own burden. That's borrows. Let him that is taught in the Word communicate unto him that teaches in all good things. In other words, he's not talking about the ball game on Saturday night. He's not talking about the hockey game or the basketball game or the ice skating game. He's not talking about that. He's not talking about the crop that's going up the road or down the road. He's talking about when you come in here, you need to be communicating about God. Amen. Somebody said, well, I didn't know that. You do now. You've been building your life on the fault line. I don't have time to go to church every time the door's open. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. It's that's fault or that's fault or something else's fault. No, it's yours. God can take whatever it is that you're blaming and just remove it out of the way. Be careful. So there is responsibility, Paul says, as Galatian believers, that you must build your life on the rock of ages, not on a fault line. It's not on circumcision. It's on Christ Jesus. Amen? And those Judaizers kept telling them, little Galatian believers, you've got to go back and obey the Mosaic law. You've got to be circumcised along with what you're doing or you're no good. And they said, you know what? This man called Paul, he's not even one of the twelve apostles. He's not even what he says he is. That's what they were doing. No doubt somebody in this congregation has already heard somebody say, you know what? The high standards this church has got is silly, ridiculous. They ought to get with the day in which they live. Modernize just a little bit. Loosen the standard and just go with the flow. Yeah. The Bible said many there be that go in thereat. When he was talking about the gates of hell. But he said narrow is the way that leadeth to life eternal and few there be that find it. You better keep God's house holy. You ain't. It wasn't your decision, no how. It's written in that book long time before you and I ever got here. God made a covenant with His children. That covenant was responsibility to live a holy and godly life. The Bible tells us it is a, It is our duty to be alert, not absent. You folks is coming in late. Have you got alarm clock? Set it. 30 minutes earlier. Amen? Somebody said, brother, I said, don't hurt nothing to be late. No, not unless you're a visitor, Wondering where all the church folks are. Yeah. You, what kind of impression does that leave on folks? Bless you. Get here 30 minutes early. The paycheck's awesome. The benefits is unreal. The eternal life that God promised is out of this world. <laughs> Amen. So responsibility. Be alert. Be available. Be you doers of the work. Not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. You say, Brother Russ, I'm listening to what you're saying. Yeah, but are you doing it? Are you doing what God's Word said in Responsibility. Don't just sit on the pew and look at your pastor and associate pastor and your teachers and your singers or somebody else that's doing their best. Get involved and do your part. Because if you don't, you're going to find yourself building your life on a fault line. It's my church's fault. Be available. Always be honest in the love of Christ. That's what Paul was telling these Galatian believers, for he that soweth his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So we've talked about restoration. We've talked about responsibility. Paul said not only that, but let's talk about rewards. He said the in verses 9-13, through 13, rewards, when you look at the word reap, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall Church, say it with me. Reap. Say it again. Reap. Louder. Reap. Louder. Reap. In other words, we're here for a reason. <laughs> Somebody said, no, not me. I'm a... Well, I am. I believe in the covenant God made and I believe it's just as real as the sun that shines and the moon that's taking place with all the stars of heaven. Thank God there's some responsibility to the child of God that's saved by grace. And there is rewards for you and I. Blessings of God, balance of grace. Be consistent day in and day out. It's what he said. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Be conscious of life around us and others. Look at verse 13. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. In rewards, Paul the Apostle was saying, Be conscious of who's around you. If you're around somebody on your work site and they tell you, oh, it's okay for you to take a social drink. You know, I mean, what's wrong with just taking a little wine for the belly? You know, that's where they get it. Bunch of hypocrites. There ain't no such thing as sipping saints. Never has been. Never will be. You can mark that down in God's Word. You're either clean... Or you're dirty. You either got it on your heart or got it on your mind. And Paul was saying, be conscious of these people. They want to cause you trouble. They want to cause you grief. Amen? They want to rob you of your freedom instead of rejoicing in your faith. That's what they want to do. Have you ever seen somebody come in church and they go to build their life on the fault line? Now, I'm preaching to you because I love you tonight. But they go to building their life on the fault line and the first thing they do is sit down beside them, somebody that's really trying, and they say, you know what? I just don't agree with what that man of God preached. I think our pastor, he's a little too straight-laced. You know, he cramps my style. Does he bother you? And They say, "Well, no, not really. You don't bother." Well, let me let me just tell you what how I feel about the singing in the choir. I, I, this is what I think about singing in the choir. And they go telling all the criticism in the choir. And you know what? In long till they sit down by that person two or three or four times, and they don't go up in the choir no more. That's right. They don't get up on the front bench and holler, Woo! Hallelujah, preaching, Pastor, preach the word, plow fire. Amen. They sat back in the way back in the back. And they just sat there with them pooched out lips. And they've been eating them on side persimmons all week long. On sire road, amen, for a sinner. Or a backslider. The reward for that kind of person is not going to be good. I'm just preaching you what God's laid on my heart. Don't build your life on the fault line. There's an earthquake coming your way. So the Bible said this, be conscious. Last of all, we've looked at restoration. We've looked at responsibility. Paul said there is rewards. But last of all, Paul said there's something about regeneration. Paul is telling these Galatian believers that we're facing similar to what we're facing tonight. When churches no longer rely on the Holy Ghost of God. When I was a little boy growing up, my grandpa was standing outside of the old church. And I was just a little lad, probably nine years old, maybe eight and they had filled that old building till she was rocking on her foundation. It wasn't that great a building to start with, Brother Dixon, you know where I'm talking about. And old brother Hub Hambrick was a big old man. And Grandpa was standing there and he said, I'd give anything to get in that meeting. And old brother Hub Hambrick reached and grabbed him by the seat of bridges in his galluses. And the window was up, and he just threw him in at the window, the side of that church. Grandpa landed on the floor and he is in the meeting, Amen. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about tonight. (laughs) When Grandma would shout to the high pins, flew out of her head, and never step on the first baby, whatever, amen, in the house of God, that place come apart. It amazed me. I had an amazement of God's house. I did. I grew up amazed at it. When I was just a teenage boy, I wouldn't miss church because that was the most exciting place in all the world. When I got there, it was better than anywhere I'd ever been. Now, I wasn't a Christian, Brother Jason. I just got excited seeing what all was going on. Would you get excited over seeing what's going on now? You sitting there like this. And then finally somebody says, Amen. You're dismissed and that same person jumps up. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about regeneration. Where the Lord sets you free from the cares of this life. When all the things around you become second rate and the Lamb of God becomes first and only then Can you be the father that Paul was saying? You ain't going to build your life on no fault line. Regeneration 14-15, through when he said, But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. In other words, it's not the name Mount Olive. It's not the name Brother Dixon. It's not the name Brother Pilate. But it's the name of Jesus that you men represent. And this church is built on. Don't you ever take that for granted. If you've not had yourself one hallelujahs spell for God, and God says about the Lord, even in this revival, I say you better be careful. You may have already built your life on a fault line. And so Paul said this in closing. Paul said, first of all, It's the cross, Christ dying for our sins. That's regeneration. Paul said this, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. That's confession, 1 John 1 and 9. If we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart that Jesus is the Christ and God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. John said if we confess our sins, He is just and faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Regeneration tonight, if you're lost, is a very important step in your life. And Paul said not only in regeneration is there a cross and a confession, but he said there is courage to live right. He said here... From henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Courage, tonight, I pray for you to be courageous. Be courageous. When somebody says, oh, it's uh, it's all right. It's comfortable right here. You can just get real comfortable and build your life right here on this fault line. Don't listen. Don't listen. If it's not on the rock, Jesus Christ, stay away from it. I thank God for what Paul stood for. Don't build your life on a fault line. Children, When your parents tell you to live godly, to dress godly, to stay out of hell holes, don't get pumped up and build your life on the fault line. Stay with the Lord. Teenagers. Young married couples. I'll never forget a young lady and man with two little children. They were there at the church and I'm not going to say what they did, but they did a great work in the flesh, in their body. It was awesome. I was proud of them. I went up to both of them and told them, I said, I'm proud of y'all. I said, boy, it took commitment to do what y'all have done. Healthy. Look good. I'm proud of you. But I said, I'm going to tell you something. I said, don't build your life on this. You keep your life on Calvary. Boy, the devil didn't waste no time. Mama got to looking good. Daddy got to looking more handsome. It wasn't long till they come to me and told me, said, brother Russ, we think we'd be better off to move on down the road. I walked out to their car and I bowed down in the window and I said, I wish you wouldn't. I said, I really wish you wouldn't. I wish you'd stay. I wish you'd reconsider where you're headed. I wish you'd go back and get in the altar and ask God for what you need. I don't feel good about this. They drove out of the parking lot. Today they're divorced. Mama went one way, daddy went another. The little children are scattered. They don't know what to do. I loved them. But they built their life on a fault line and the earthquake came. What do you build your life on tonight? Have you got a form of godliness? It looks good, sounds good, and gets you by your pastor most of the time. But have you built it on a fault line? A form of godliness or somebody's the problem or a circumstance, but you just hadn't looked at yourself and said, Lord, it's me. I need to get my house in order. I believe there's somebody here tonight, more than one, that you need to get down in this altar and say, Lord, I'm not going to stay where I'm at right now. I feel the tremors coming already. The tremors coming. and I, I feel the vibration. I want to get out of here. I want to get on the rock. Right now, while we stand, while they come with the song, while the humble pastor comes tonight, I've done my best by the grace of God. And I believe with all my heart It's sunk into the lives of a number of people in this congregation. I don't know what it is. It may be that you've went a little too far with the social things of this life. That you feel like in your heart, Brother Russ, I get more excited in the world than I do in my church. It may be that you're putting a little more material over in that area than you are in the spiritual realm of God's grace and love. Daddy, you may be spending a little too much time away from that wife. And you started building your life on what makes you feel good or what satisfies the flesh. And you don't even see the trouble that's coming your way. Oh God, tonight, I wished I was able to stop that earthquake, Brother Nixon, but I can't do it. But I can tell folks, don't sit tight till it hits you. He said, Brother Russ, what are you saying? I'm saying if you in your heart feel that you hadn't done all you should for God, that you've got too comfortable with this old flesh and this world, get in this altar tonight. And if you're lost, get saved, regeneration. If you haven't really ever tried restoration, get in this altar and ask God to give you a burden for it. What about your responsibility to this church, to God? Somebody said, well, I come tonight and I've done my pastor a favor. No, you had not You either backslid on God... Are you're here because you're saved by grace. Amen. Amen. I want to come. I got to hear my mother-in-law shout again. I got to see my father-in-law life and have a good time coming over here. And I won't tell you what all he said, but he was a real thrill in my life. We had a good time. This will be history shortly. I'll get a little older and things will change. But one day, Brother Dixon, we'll walk yeah, yeah. over there on that golden shore. Love you. <laughs> Woo! And little mama will come running out. You say, brother Russ, I don't believe you'll know nobody well. I don't believe I'm going to be more ignorant in heaven than I am right here. I believe I'm going to be ever smart, and smarter when I get to glory than I am right here on earth. Now I believe I'll see many others that I've known in this place, brother Willis, that have made it home didn't build their life on the fault line. I'm begging you. In this generation. You better be comfortable. You'll get in such a hurry. to the devil will lay the foundation for you. And you won't even know it. Till he's got your setting on it. And you're comfortable. Come on sing. Come on sing. Will you come now? Will you just step out right now and say, Preacher, I want to pray about one of these four areas or all four. I want to be honest. I want to be honest. And I want to start right now tonight. I built my life on a fault line. Will you come? Will you come? Will you trust the Lord? With every head bowed, ever eye closed, and then I'm through tonight while you remain standing. Myself and the humble pastor and associate pastor looking. I want to ask you a question tonight, and I want you to be honest with the Lord. Is God satisfied with where you're building your life? Would you raise your hand? Is the Lord really satisfied with where you're building your life tonight? Would you raise your hand right now in this house? If God's pleased with your life, raise your hand good and high and hold it there just a moment. Don't be ashamed. Thank God tonight. For those that know, you may take them down. Right now I want to ask you, those that couldn't raise your hand, They may be just a little something. I don't know that it may be a big something, but you know what? That little fox running under the fence, It didn't long till he destroyed that thing. Tonight, I want you to be honest enough to say, Preacher, I'm going to raise my hand and say, in this message, God has touched my heart in one of the four areas you preached about. And I want to be honest with the Lord. And I'm going to raise my hand right now. Would you just raise your hand? I'm not going to worry of the patience of these people. God bless that hand. God bless that hand. Is there others tonight? God bless those hands. Going up all over the house. God bless that hand. i want to ask you tonight while they're one more verse, then I'm out of the service. So I'm not going to give a long invitation to Him. But I want you to ask yourself, why would you go home knowing that you could come to the altar and God could bless you with victory and you could go back and and start building in the very situation the devil's challenge you and be victorious in the Lord right now while they say, Come on, come on, you raise your hand, come, come on. I want to come, brother Russ. I'm not ashamed, I'm not ashamed I'm gonna come. Would you come? I'd come for you if I could, but I can't do it. It's your decision, it's your decision. Just a simple thing, to step out of the pew, come down to an old-fashioned altar, and say, God, my restoration desire needs to be kindled. My responsibility, my regeneration, I need a fire. Whatever that is tonight, come. Are you saved? Are you born again? Have you backslid on God. You're building your life on a fault line. Why not tonight? Why not tonight? God bless you, young lady. Heavenly Father, bless this young lady. Touch her, oh God, tonight. Give her that strength and that spirit, Lord, of victory. God, whatever it is that she's praying for right now, Lord, just be real with her. Give her that sweet peace, that victory. Lord, help her to be honest, to be specific. And Lord, just say, this is what it is. And I want you, God, to help me build back on the rock of ages. I want to be a fireball, a light, salt for Jesus. In your precious name we pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen, yes. God bless you. Not tonight. God. I
1: wonder if somebody else needs to pray tonight. Anyway, you might be standing there right now and you say, Brother Dixon, Brother Russ, I'll pray. But not tonight. But you know I remind you again, as I have in the past, that the Lord said there'd come a day you'll call. He won't answer. Would that not be sad tonight to think about going beyond the point of no return, knowing that you're doomed for all eternity? God bless you. Amen. Now, I'll have to tell you tonight, of course, this man brought the message, very plain, very simple. But you've got to be born again while you're living. Amen. Amen. Hey, you've got to be saved while you're living. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he can't see the kingdom. Except a man be born again, he can't enter. So tonight, what a privilege. I feel like everything, Brother Willis, has been sufficient for somebody to get saved tonight.
0: Amen. Yes. Yes.
1: Because I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, is in our midst. Anybody know that in this house? Anybody beside I me mean, know that? Yes. So when the Spirit of God is dealing with you, you can be saved. Yes. I'm uneasy tonight about somebody that's going long, and even you, I feel like somebody's telling themselves, "I don't know how to be saved." God help. I really God, don't know, help. but I want to tell you what the Bible said. We're all human beings tonight, and the Bible pertains to every one of us. Amen. And it said that the way is so plain, even so simple, that a wayfaring man, though he be a fool, need not err therein. Anybody believe that? Yes. And David said, I don't know why I'm saying all this. he doesn't him, Lord. But David said Morship. that God's been known, that God has been experienced, all of these things, even before the mountains were formed. That's right. He said, So that thou art... Without an excuse, oh man. Every one of us stand before God tonight. Either justified or condemned. Amen. Would you say amen, anybody? Amen. Amen. I love you. We can only do what we can do. And then it's up to you if you don't know Jesus tonight. But along about midnight tonight, it may be the time as it was in Egypt when God will say it's up for you. It's done for you tonight. God have mercy. Mama may find you in the morning, daddy may find you in the morning, brother or sister might find you in the morning, your body's cold, and the spirit's gone. Right?
0: right.
1: Might be right now what you do with Jesus tonight that'll determine your destination. We don't want to hear your patience. And I'm pro- not prolonging the service tonight, but I feel too, brother Russ, that somebody yes, yes, yes. tonight, you put it all, you pushed it aside, and it gets a little easier. Does it not? It's it a little really easier every time. It's not as attractive this time as it was last time or the other day or another day.
0: God bless.
1: But if the devil can hold you outside the realms of mercy in the new birth till you die, he's That's got right. you. That's right. He's got you. We love you. May the Lord bless you tonight is my prayer. I feel unless somebody has an impression, I feel that God's finished tonight. Unless you do something. Amen. I want to say again tonight, I appreciate everybody that come to this meeting. I do. I believe there's others that could be here, but that's them in the Lord. That's them in the Lord, and I cannot judge them. It's not my place. But I know one thing, I can know how it is with me. And I'll tell you this tonight, there is absolutely nothing in this community right now more important than a revival. Would anybody else say "Man, There is absolutely nothing in this community near or far that's greater than a revival. And there's something wrong when we close our mind toward seeing people get saved. I love you. I'm just a plain, simple man. We're not going to pray a benediction. You shake hands with everybody you possibly can. Meet us back tomorrow night. Meet a little early you men folks in the prayer room. Come on. Now, Brother Russ doesn't mention about somebody being late tonight. So I don't need to say nothing else.